Welcome to the latest Experts in the Field podcast from Foot Anstead's Farms, Estates and Rural Land Team. With guest speakers and in-house experts, we'll provide insights into rural developments and current affairs. Welcome to this edition of our podcast series from the Farms, Estates and Rural Land Team at Foot Anstead. This week, I'm pleased to say we're joined by Andrew Butler from the National Farmers Union and my colleague Gemma Robinson. Andrew is Devon County Advisor at the NFU. His work involves helping members on a wide range of issues affecting their businesses. It's fair to say that he and his colleagues certainly have a lot of issues to help members with at the moment with huge change the sector is going through. Gemma works in our employment team and leads on our immigration practice. She carries out right to work checks and helps with immigration queries. Like many sectors, labour supply has been and will be for the foreseeable future a real challenge for agricultural businesses. Today we're going to look at foreign seasonal workers and, uh, and skilled workers and requirements for employing them in the UK, the rules which must be followed and the statutory rights such workers have. Andrew and Gemma, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. you. Andrew, perhaps if I can kick off with a a question to you. Obviously, we have a series of events over the last few years which have really created a perfect storm and huge challenges for farming businesses. How has the pandemic, Brexit and now the horrendous war in Ukraine affecting the labour market in agriculture? Yeah, as you said, Edward, farms are facing all sorts of challenges like many other small businesses, you know, inflationary cost pressures, change of regulation, etc. But undoubtedly, one of them for some businesses is the labour challenge. So, Ultimately, if they haven't got the people on the farm to work in a variety of roles at a variety of levels, then it makes it very difficult to run a business. So that's a key challenge for some businesses. And how do they overcome that? We're seeing figures in terms of the unemployed goes seems to go down and down. The jobs on the UK market goes up and up. So there's a real sort of competition in the marketplace to work on in farm businesses and or our other areas of the economy. So it's just trying to work that out and what we can do locally to employ local people where possible and where not, what avenues there might be to bring in labour from overseas. Yeah, we've already just touched upon it, Andrew, but obviously we'll talk about farm workers in a minute. But what other initiatives are the NFU working on perhaps in terms of how to help fill these gaps in labour over the coming months and years. In fact. Yeah, well, there's plenty of work going on with government and it's part of their levelling up work to increase skills of our home-based workforce. Clearly, the challenge of that, the number of people available is low and also just the time frame. It takes a long time to do some of those skills that are needed, apprenticeships, etc. You know, that's one, two, three, four, five years and onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing vacancies across the sector this year. Gem, if I can uh, perhaps uh, bring you in. I, obviously, I've read a lot about skilled worker visas, but perhaps can you explain what they are? Yeah, of course. So the skilled worker visa is essentially a route for, it would be a route for NFU members to bring more long-term skilled roles from across overseas into the UK. So what you'd be really looking for is an eligible role by way of what that means. It's generally A level or above in terms of qualifications. Um, And often you need the minimum salary. And that generally is 25,600 a year unless certain exemptions apply. Um, So for instance, if the role was in shortage or if the applicant was very early stages of their career um, then they could get a reduced rate but generally you're looking at a kind of a skilled worker at the the A-level equivalent at the minimum salary for often a long-term engagement. Andrew are you you seeing many of your members look at that option? 
I think people are just starting to. Um, for those people that perhaps have had people in their business, non-UK labour, that those people might be going back to their home countries now or moving to other employers in the economy, they're now facing those vacancies. And in some sense, if you take dairy and a sort of a herdsperson's role, where they're struggling to fill that locally and the UK agencies with UK staff can't fill it because they've got very long waiting lists. They think, oh, okay, where can we find this workforce? Because ultimately, if they can't find them, the business can't continue. And that'd be a real shame for that farm. Also for the economy, mm-hmm. you know, we're at a time of increased demand for dairy, as an example. So they need to look out to the market and potentially go down the skilled visa route to find that person from outside the UK. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's probably helpful at this point just to point out that it's... It, it does take a little bit of time to get what they need in place in terms of a few members. If they haven't got a licence, then that kind of process needs to happen first. So they would need a sponsorship licence. Um, often that costs around £536 if you're a, a small organisation. But the processing times at the moment are around eight to ten weeks for that licence to get approved. So it You need to be trying to think ahead in terms of just because someone might be eligible for a role and they've made an application to you, it doesn't mean to say that you can get them through the door quickly if you haven't already got that licence in place. And so I think once the licence is in place, even if NFU members are thinking, well, I might have roles in the next year or so that are going to come up, maybe I don't even have anybody that's applied, but the likelihood is that I might need to be open to the more worldwide market then having that in place can really be helpful because it just ensures that kind of processing time of getting that licence approved then gets completely cut. So to be aware of, really. Gemma, what about a seasonal worker visa? Yeah, so the seasonal worker route um, is something that kind of came in pretty much just after Brexit, really. And the reason being mainly because the routes that were in place were for eligible roles that were skilled to A-level or above. And there were a number of roles that were more lower skilled um, that actually still needed to be fulfilled. Um, And it was certainly leaving the farming sector um, in quite a lot of difficulty, especially around the horticultural picking fruits, that type of example. So the government introduced the temporary worker seasonal worker route um, initially as a pilot really to see how it would go but that's currently really been extended and currently it's going to be in place until the end of 2024 so we've got a bit of time and the mo- at the moment the route is allowing for 30,000 seasonal worker visas to be approved with an additional 10,000 if we need it this year but I think really the government is very much suggesting that they want to try and reduce that over the next two years rather than increase that. But no doubt Andrew's probably got some, some comments on that number. But that's really the background of it. Yeah, it's hard to see that demand dropping over the next couple of years, isn't it, Andrew, I think? Yeah, we see a demand of 70,000 seasonal workers in the horticulture sector and about 8,500 in the poultry sector. So there is a big demand there. If you look at the last couple of years through COVID and furlough, you know, there's a lot of work that the government did and the industry did. There's a lot of people furloughed. Potentially they could come into the sector for a period of time. And even with all of that, that we think the, the amount of homegrown labour in the seasonal sector went up to 6%. So and pre-COVID, it was something like 99% were non-UK staff in that seasonal sector. So... We do see a strong need for it post-2024. And just to give the industry some confidence to invest and move forwards, we'd like to see government to to accept this and just talk at more of a long-term scheme rather than, than 2024, which is not that far away. Yeah, absolutely. It's essential for businesses to plan and they, and they need to know that they can get that get those staff over the next two, three years whilst 
the government pushes its wider initiative about building up the UK workforce in this area, isn't it? Hopefully the government will listen on that point. Gemma, what are the requirements you must satisfy in order to work as a seasonal worker? In relation to the seasonal worker, whilst the individual will need a sponsor, it's slightly different than the skilled worker. So with the skilled worker, the, the NFU member, the farm itself, will become the sponsor. Whereas with under the temporary worker, seasonal worker route, the sponsor will be one of four um, operating schemes, which are often, um, that have been approved, are the, these recruitment agencies generally. So the individual will need to have one of those recruitment agencies on board as their sponsor. And then essentially what that will mean then that they can go off to the farm in order to do up to a six-month term in horticultural, basically. And how does a grower get on board with this seasonal boot? Um, Well, really, the UK farmers and growers will need to be starting to contact one of those four scheme operators that have already been approved by the government that will be able to the certificate of sponsorship to the individual that's coming across. So it's going to be really contacting either... AG Recruitment and Management Limited, they're one of them. The second one's um, Concordia Limited. The third one's Fruitful Jobs. And the fourth one is ProForce Limited. And all those four have been approved by the government to be able to hold the licence under the seasonal worker route and allow migrants to then be essentially put through the farms. And my understanding is that they look at the the places within the UK as to where they are putting some of those 30,000 that they're allowed to be allocated um, and trying to make it as fair as possible. So it's really going to be, yeah, making contact with one of those operators and going from there. Gemma, could you just run through the eligibility requirements? It's um... Yeah, of course. And a migrant that it is looking to come over for that type of horticultural work will need to be over 18. They'll need to have a certificate from one of those four operators that have been approved. And they'll need to have enough personal savings to be able to support themselves. So normally the criteria in the threshold is 1,270, unless the recruitment agent as the sponsor is willing to certify them. And then they'll obviously need a valid passport as well. But the main kind of idea of what they are coming over to do is that they are coming over to do work, picking fruits, picking flowers, picking in those kind of edible types of roles. And there's a, a application fee for the visa, isn't there, I think? There is. £259, that's it. So it's slightly lower than what would be under the skilled worker route. And that's purely because it's limited in time. So you can't work for more than six months in a 12-month period under the under the seasonal worker route. And what's the two parts of this question, I suppose, what's the target time for a decision to be made on an application? And what are what is actually happening in practice? Yeah, interesting. Well, you like going uh, for your passport. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Near enough. Anything to do with the Home Office, I feel like, this way. I would say standard processing would be three weeks from the time that the applicant puts their biometrics in. So when they visited a visa application centre overseas. There was a priority service available for overseas migrants prior to the unfortunate situation in Ukraine. But given that situation and the resources that are needed to help with the new Ukraine visas, it's meant that actually all priority services overseas have been temporarily suspended. So as a result of that, you cannot get a faster decision for migrants that are applying from overseas. You're in the standard processing And I am seeing commentary, I would say, most days as to how that three-week window is getting pushed back and pushed back. So whilst three weeks is what they suggest maybe on the government website and what you might see, I think the reality is you're looking probably currently, we're currently recording this in May, um, you're looking at three to six weeks at the moment, I would say, in terms of the reality of getting that approved. 
And, and what other rules must the employer adhere to under the seasonal worker route? Yeah, I think it's probably really important to mention for the NFU farms that there is a payment um, minimum. So on the seasonal worker route, you must pay the individual at least £10.10 per hour. And that must also conform to the relevant agricultural wages order rate as well, um, if that applies. But yes, the £10.10 is is an absolute minimum. Gemma, I read recently that seasonal workers have previously been, in large numbers at least, Ukrainian. Obviously, very relevant now. What's the government saying on this topic? Yeah, that's absolutely right, Edward. It's overwhelmingly, I would say, in the past, been Ukrainians that have been coming across to do that seasonal worker-type role. Um, I think when I last looked at the statistics, it was around 19,000 of the near enough 30,000 that were appointed in 2021 that you were Ukrainians. So the Home Office has confirmed at the moment that anybody that's a Ukrainian in the UK currently under the seasonal worker route can have their stay automatically extended until the end of this year, as long as they obviously stay with the same sponsor. So at the moment, it'll be one of those four approved providers. But from the 3rd of May, the government introduced a new scheme called the Ukraine Extension Scheme, which means that any Ukraine national who's already in the UK will be able to apply for this new visa. So they'll be moving out of seasonal worker and they'll be moving into this new extension scheme visa for Ukrainians. And that will allow them the right to work for a three-year period and to stay in the UK, essentially whatever role with whoever and have that flexibility to move around. So absolutely, the government are doing something, whether it's enough and whether... The 19,000 that were here last year are still here, given the six-month limit and the seasonal nature. This is the real question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how many of them are left here that can then apply for a three-year period to stay? Or actually, are, you know, 80% of those 19,000 already already did return because they actually came across seasonally last summer. So it will be interesting yep. to see really how much that's helpful to the UK farmers moving forward. This is a real worry for us. We did a survey of members in January, so before the horrible events in Ukraine. And at that point, only 12% of businesses were predicting they were going to have enough seasonal labour this season. And that was pre-Ukraine. It's, it's going to be worse since then. So it is a real it's a real challenge for the sector about how do we get the staff to, to get the product out of fields, out of if it's poultry farms and things, onto shelves and people can buy it. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Gemma, what statutory rights do foreign seasonal workers have in employment law? Um, they have the same statutory rights, really, as normal permanent employees would do. They should receive the same pay, the same working hours, the same breaks, holidays, and they can make wrongful dismissal claims So if they're not um, given notice. But they'll also be protected in, in terms of the standard, the discrimination, the harassment, victimisation type routes. So, so they have got the same protections as employees and workers would have. What don't they have? In terms of statutory rights that they don't have, the role by by its very nature is temporary, so it's only six months. So it means that any kind of the more long service type claims, such as your unfair dismissal, whereby you need two continuous years service, anything like that would not be applicable to a seasonal worker. Thank you, Gemma. Andrew, perhaps turning to the wider policy issues, we've already touched on this a number of times in this conversation. What are the NFU doing in their work lobbying for their members and government to improve the systems that we've talked about <clears throat> yeah I and mean, there's the two things here so there's the seasonal and the skilled route so seasonal as i said earlier we'd like to see that 
limit into the future and extend it so we have more certainty and then there's the availability of staff if businesses need it then for the skilled route there's a, there's a few things really the shame on the skilled route is that the home also excluded entry-level permanent roles from the points-based system and a bit same as the care sector really from a societal point of view the level of skill um it's different to the value to society so that these people just because they perhaps don't have high skill levels or qualifications doesn't mean they don't perform a really important role in society such as working in the care sector or working in the food and farming sector so we would like the home office to look at that and it would, it would open up sort of more opportunities for people to kill to for us to fill some of these key entry-level positions in the sector especially where we've got evidence of of gaps the evidence is clear to see and if they could use the MAC committee to start looking at this and actually do a proper independent study into what the needs for the sector are and what the Home Office can do to help the industry go forward. There's a couple of other bits. Gemma mentioned the salary earlier for skilled workers. A lot of time in the agricultural sector, you have other benefits that come with the role, such as housing, transport, that sort of thing. We'd like that to be taken into account in the in, in the salary discussions because it, then it makes more of a, a package I mean that's what you do in the UK you'd go to a to a herds person and say this is the package part of it's a salary part of it's obviously holidays and things and part of it is quite often housing so we'd like to see that into account but really what's I think important especially as we come out of Covid and things is that we have a proper actually Brighton sort of root and branch review into our labour market the get where the gaps are and we get to a, a, an immigration system that effectively we can turn up or down according to the needs in the sector because if, if we don't do that we're just going to keep cutting our nose off to, to spite our face and what that will ultimately mean is less British product and we know we've got a time of food shortages around the world and actually consumers really want to buy British you know it's a, it's, it's a bit of a sort of a perverse situation in, in some ways. Thank you Andrew perhaps I'll ask you both as we draw us to a conclusion what would be your you know, top tips for farming businesses looking at to get these seasonal workers what would be the top tips you need they need to think about and bear in mind so for me i guess um from a simple point of view just just think early about it we know now it's even if it's uk based it doesn't matter where they're from the tensions in the sort of labor supply market where you can try and plan early so either if you've got people approaching retirement age maybe or you've got someone you think might move to a different role either in the business or another business try and think early see what you can find in the local market and if you think that might be challenging then start to look at the options for skilled visa routes if you think that's applicable and start to look more at that area yeah thanks andrew i completely agree with you in terms of being very proactive um, and trying to think ahead i think as we've discussed with visa processing times and resources being relatively limited on certain routes i think trying to get ahead um, absolutely makes sense and whether that means you know contacting some of the four approved operators down the seasonal route if you think that's likely to come up soon and you need help in that way or if it's in terms of eligible roles under the skilled worker route checking whether those job descriptions are going to be eligible and if so starting that process to maybe get your license ready even if you're not going to use it initially but having that ready just gives you that ability to be open to the market really and then finally of course if you do happen to have Ukrainian nationals working for you at the moment whether that's under the seasonal route or not then absolutely notifying them of this new um, extension scheme that's been put through from the beginning of May and, and getting them the ability to stay here for another three-year period absolutely makes sense. 
Absolutely. Thank you both for your time today. I hope everyone listening found it really helpful. I know I did. We'll add details and some of some useful information and Andrew's contact details to the listing to this podcast. And please do listen to some of our other episodes in these podcast series where we talk on a number of occasions about the challenges and changes in the agricultural sector over the coming years. Thanks very much. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next Foot Anstey Experts in the Field podcast. Join us next time for more insights on important rural and agricultural issues. Find out more about our podcast series at footanstey.com.